0: If you would like us as a church to pray for you please email prayer at or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox morning and wherever you are i hope you're uh, enjoying this morning and uh, i hope you're warm because uh, we're a bit cold this morning aren't we really a bit chilly Um, But uh, you'll see me rubbing my hands. That's not because I'm excited. It's because I'm trying to get the feeling back into them. So I haven't got any notices other than the usual. It's prayer zoom tonight from seven to eight. And also last week we started having a prayer room after the service. And the code for that is going to be up at some point. There's no password but if you want to respond, if you want someone to pray with you or just to, to listen to God uh, and to speak some words of encouragement over you, then um, the prayer room at the end will be open about 5 past 12 till about 25 past, depending on how, who comes and, and how long it is. Um, But it's great to be able to interact in that way. That'd be fantastic. So this morning, we're gonna be carrying on. We're coming towards the end of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, We've got two left after this week, Um, but we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18, just uh, five or six verses there. And the theme is endless hope, endless hope. Sleep is a really important thing. I hope all of you have slept well before this morning because I wouldn't want you to sleep while I was speaking because that would defeat the object. But sleep is a really important thing, isn't it? When we lose sleep, it has a massive knock-on effect on life. If we haven't slept well, then the next day doesn't go well and sleep is crucial. But if we have too much of it, it can make us feel even worse. Not that at this moment in time I know what it is to have too much sleep. But in the right amounts, it can recharge us and it can help us to feel better. I saw a t-shirt advertised recently online that said, Jesus took naps, be more like Jesus. I think that's a good t-shirt, that's a good advice. Jesus took naps, be more like Jesus. He slept in the middle of a storm. He slept when all around him was chaos. He woke early to spend time with his father in quiet and on his own. So this, today's passage talks about those who've slept or those who've fallen asleep in some versions. And recently we've looked at faith. So what is faith? What is the definition of faith? Faith is, hopefully you're all screaming it at, the, at the television right now, faith, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. So what is it? That we truly hope for today if I said what is it we truly hope for as Christians if you are one of uh, Jesus's brothers and sisters if you like if you've been welcomed into that family and you've accepted him what is it that we can truly hope for no matter what else is going on at this moment in time the answer to that question is with Jesus it's the hope of a better day with Jesus it's the hope of his return that he promised. Today, even if everything else seems chaotic and things are difficult and sleep doesn't come, we can hope that Jesus will bring a better day, that Jesus will return. Today we read just these few verses, but they are full of hope and direction. If you have your Bible, read it with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, and I'm gonna read it all from the NIV today. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. I can remember when my grandma was buried, one of the things as a young, I'm trying to think how old I was, about 15, 16 year old, was the fact that there was a, a, a gravestone behind hers that was, that was for a man called William Deadman, which I always thought was incredibly appropriate because obviously that's what he was, even in the cemetery. But it said that he had fallen asleep. And I can remember as a 16 year old thinking, that's a bit harsh, that he'd only fallen asleep and they've, they've put him there. But actually the Bible talks about falling asleep in a very different way to us. The church in Thessalonica had lost members. They had lost family. Many of the deaths were unexpected because they were caused by persecution. Death because of what they believed in. Death because they followed Jesus. They were treated cruelly. Death because of their faith. What does Paul say to them? we are not like everybody else that's if you are a Christian this morning Paul says we are not like everybody else I've been to some incredible funerals in my time and not that they were like the most joyous and happy occasions but there was a celebration of the life that had been lived there were celebrations of the people who had an eternity with Jesus ahead of them In fact, I can remember one funeral of, of, I think it was Wilf Docker at Abbey Road and one of the songs the worship band had to play was He Has Risen. And I can remember thinking, I hope he doesn't just in the middle of the service because actually, but as a Christian, that is the hope we have, that we will be risen because Jesus has already done it. Jesus has already beaten death. A funeral isn't a happy time, but it can be a celebration of those who have gone to be with their saviour have gone to be with the Lord. And we are different to everybody else because we have a hope. One commentator on this passage writes this, and if we hear nothing else this morning, this is really what these verses are about. He says, with Jesus, we have an endless hope. If you have Jesus in your life, you have an endless hope. But without him, it becomes a hopeless end. And although that sounds harsh, that is the truth of the gospel. That with God, we can have an endless hope. No matter how dark it gets, we can have an endless hope. But without him, it becomes a hopeless end. There's nothing to live for. I can remember listening to a a religious program on the BBC many years ago uh, on a Sunday morning, and it was all about life after death and they interviewed some actors, and one of the actors, one of the McGann brothers, you might have heard of them, he said, I take great comfort that this is all that there is. And I had to analyse those words. How can we take great comfort that this is all that there is? Because that means there's no meaning, there's no reason. And yet, actually, I take great comfort today from the fact that I know I have a saviour. I can take great comfort in my life that even through the dark times, I know I can trust him. I take great comfort today that I have a God who loves me. On this Valentine's Day, when we talk about love on a superficial level many times, I have a God who loves me so much that he gave his son to die for me. You know, we don't want to think about death particularly. It's not something we like to talk about, especially our own. And many of us perhaps have a fear of death but it brings up all sorts of emotions. There is fear, there is grief, and all sorts of things that crop up when we talk about this subject. And over these last 12 months, people across our country, across our world, and across our community have lost loved ones. Paul says to this group that have lost many, that have lost unexpectedly, don't worry. We are not like everybody else. Remember your hope. This morning, whatever you're going through, remember your hope. Your hope is in Jesus, Christ alone, cornerstone. Your hope is in the one who died and rose again, who went to heaven and is coming back. Your hope is in the one who has power over sin and death. Don't be like everyone else, remember your hope. There are thought to be five stages to grief and loss. I don't know if you've ever heard of these five stages, but there are five stages to grief and loss. And before I go into what those five are, I want you to remember that grief and loss isn't just associated with death. Grief and loss comes about people have lost their jobs in this pandemic, we grieve over those things. Maybe when our children move away from home to start their own life, there is a loss, there is a grief maybe even positive things can bring about some of those feelings of grief and loss for example if you get married that feeling of maybe losing some independence not that that's always a bad thing but actually maybe there's a grief and loss about that maybe you change jobs and there can be a grief and loss about the job it doesn't just have to be around death so what are the five stages of grief and loss well In fact, actually, just thinking about that, the loss of a house. We moved house. When we first moved to Barrow, we bought our house. I think it cost us £16,000. Those were the days, eh? And we basically did it entirely up. It was gutted, and we were able to choose what we wanted. And we lived there for about 18 months and then moved. And Ros particularly went to our new house, which was a bit bigger and in a different area, and she just said, what have we done? she was grieving and losing. Even though we were getting something good, there was a grief and loss. So what are the five stages of grief grief and loss? The first one is denial. Denial, pretending that it's not really happened. Pretending that actually we'll wake up from this dream and actually that's what it will be. Denial, it's not happening. It's not really happened. It's not real. That's the first stage. And you don't have to go through these stages in order. You can go from one to another to another and back again. But these are what experts say we go through. So the first stage is denial. It's not happened. He'll walk through the door again. Second stage is anger. Maybe even getting angry with God. Maybe getting angry with people who have well-meaning wishes, but actually they just don't understand your hurt anger with God why has he done it why has this happened why 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 the third stage is bargaining or regret so it's maybe if you could bring this back God I'll do anything or maybe it's just I wish I'd done this there's a very famous song called cat in the cradle it talks about a man who has been too busy for his son and then when his son's grown up and left, he realizes what he's lost and he regrets the things that he didn't do. So he phones his son and his son says, no, you sorry, I'm too busy. I'm too busy for you. We regret and we bargain, remembering the things that we should have done that we didn't. The fourth stage can be depression, where we sink into such a low, not just a sadness, but an overwhelming sense of hopelessness, an overwhelming sense of nothing. The final stage is acceptance. Accepting that something has happened and that we need to move on, that there is a hope beyond, that actually we need to get through this. Acceptance. You know, as I say, we might not go through every phrase in that order, we might not go through every step, but we might experience some of them as we go through grief and loss. And it will take time. But the important thing is, when we go through grief and loss, we need to get to acceptance and we need to move through that. And Paul says here, one way to recognize the good in things is to say, what is our hope? Well, we have an endless hope because we are in Christ. We we are in Christ. Paul writes this, we are not without hope. We are not hopeless. In fact, we have a hope that is steadfast Christ alone, cornerstone. Verse 14 sums up why we have a hope. Verse 14, as he writes to him, it says this, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Throughout the Bible, there was a difference between believers and unbelievers, and throughout the history of the world, there's been a difference. In Rome, in ancient Rome, if you were a believer, if you were a follower of the way, then on your tombstone, it would say the words dormit. Not dormat, dormit. What does dormit mean? It means fallen asleep. On the tombstone of those who were in Jesus, it said fallen asleep, dormit. But if you weren't a follower of Jesus, if you weren't a follower of the way, it would say abreptus which would mean taken away, gone. See, with Jesus as my saviour, I can know for certain that death is not the end. With Jesus as my saviour, I can know that I will be woken from death, that I will be woken and reunited and restored and be with him. Do you know, even the word cemetery comes from the Greek word, which means sleeping place. Interesting. People of faith recognized that there will be something. There will be some who say, there is nothing after this life. There will be some who say, there's nothing after this life. So what is the point? Let's just do what we want. Let's just live how we want, let's just treat other people however we fancy. Why stick to the rules of the land if there's nothing? Why stick to the morals of society if actually there's nothing? Just do what takes your fancy. Others might say, well I believe in reincarnation, I believe that we're going to come back as something else. Well that would be a little bit like my friend Ian Fogg. My friend Ian Fogg uh, once went to Heaton Park and we went on the waltzes. The, the fairground ride, you know, where you're sitting and there's a person who usually comes around going droom, droom, and spinning you round. And this waltzer ride went on and on for about 10 minutes. And I loved the waltzes, it was okay. But we got off the waltzes, and he was green. I have never seen somebody so green. He was probably the color of the walls at the side, Hear me, he was, green. I know they're blue before anyone that takes issue, by the way. But that sort of hue. He was green, and he had to go behind the waltzes and, and uh, see his breakfast again. I think he's probably the polite way to say it. Would he go back on those waltzes? No. So surely, why go through the difficulties of this world over and over and over again? It would be like some bad version of Groundhog Day or like going on the waltzes and then being sick and going back on the waltzes again. Why go through the pain that we have in this world? Why go through the torment, the difficulties, when actually we can say, Jesus loved me, he rose again. And because of him, I can die without fear. I can face death knowing that there is no sting and that the grave has no victory because I will be united with him we have a hope we aren't like everybody else and that sounds a bit arrogant but the bible says there is more to come the promise of more the promise of better why would I want to just keep sticking with this when there is the promise of better If you don't know Jesus today as your savior, if you've never recognized that he died on a cross for you on this day of love, no greater love has anyone than lay down the life for the friends. Jesus loved you so much that he died the death and the punishment he didn't deserve. But he beat death. He beat the grave. And his promise was that he's coming back again so that we too will beat death and beat the grave and be forgiven there is the promise of more Jesus died and he's coming back to rescue and to restore it's interesting isn't it that the bible never refers to Jesus as being asleep it talks about other Christians as being asleep in him or yeah just just having been in that situation but Jesus died what does that mean well Jesus died means that he suffered the full terror of death because he died on a cross. He was abandoned. It means he dreaded the darkness of death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so stressed about having to go through this that he said, God, if there's another way, please take it. He dreaded the darkness of death. He experienced the sting of death. He was whipped, he was tormented, he had his beard pulled out, he was rebuked, and he had nails put through his hands and feet until he died. He experienced the sting of death and he bore the curse of death. The father turned his face away, if you like. Father, why have you forsaken me? He faced the curse of death. He took our sin so that we could be free. He submitted to the power of death. Instead, he really died. Many people over the years have tried to make the argument that Jesus didn't really die, he, was just, he just fainted. But the Romans were experts in execution. They knew when somebody's died or not and if they hadn't have killed him, they would themselves have died. He experienced and submitted to the power of death and as he lay in the tomb for three days, he experienced the desolation of death. He experienced what it was to be cut off. But he gave victory over death and that gives hope for all who die and live in him today if you are a Christian if you follow Jesus if you say yes I believe he died and rose again for me he died to give victory and hope for each one of us have you got that hope is that your hope that when you face the sleep of death you will be woken by the saviour The church Paul writes to was afraid. They had genuine fear to be afraid of because they were being killed for their beliefs. They were being executed and punished. The church Paul writes to was afraid that those who had already died would miss out on Jesus because they'd already died before he'd come back again. But Paul writes and says, don't be afraid, don't worry. Those who've already died will be first in line. They'll be first in line to meet him for eternity. He wanted to encourage them. Those who've already died will be first in line. But as Christians today, we don't need to fear death because Jesus went through it to bring us out the other side. We don't have to have FOMO, fear of missing out. If we die, we still get to experience. In fact, actually, we'll meet him first. In verse 16, we see the phrase with a loud command, a loud shout. The word in here is for military terminology. It's a command. Think of a command at the beginning of the the Lord's Mayor parade or the changing of the the, the Trooping of the Colour or the changing of the guards. The command that says, this is time to start. The command to march or the command to fire a 21-gun salute. The response from the one in charge is immediate. It's instant. When that Sergeant Major or whoever it is goes, Attention! (laughs) It's a straight thing. Well, when Jesus comes, he will give the command. He has the authority, and our response will be instant. The response from those that have already died will be instant, and they will rise again. This isn't some flight of fancy or immediate, or sorry, imaginary hope. Jesus has the authority because he's already been through it. Jesus has the authority because he is God in a human form. It is rooted in the fact that Jesus himself is already risen. It's already happened. There is no empty tomb. There's no glass case in a museum with Jesus' remains in it. It's already happened and it's happened before and it will happen again. Why? Because Jesus has the authority. Because Jesus has the power and because he's already proved it. In Genesis, how did the very planets come into being? He spoke them into existence. His word spoke, it was, and it was good. God spoke, it was done, it was good. Jesus has the authority to speak life into existence. So if you die and you are a Christian, there's no fear because there's a hope, because he has authority. He says, let there be, it was, and it was good. If he says, let them rise, they will, and it will be good. Jesus is the voice of authority. Let's ask a question of ourselves today. Does he have authority over us? Are we allowing him to speak his power over us? Are we allowing him to have the say over our lives? Because he is the one whose command should, whose command should respond instantly, whose command we should respond instantly. He is the one whose voice as we hear it, we should want to respond straight away. Such is his power and authority, and such is his love. What a hope, a living hope, an eternal hope, an endless hope, and a promise that will be. But it doesn't just come with his voice. There's a load of trumpets, a blast of trumpets. Do you know there's something about a trumpet, isn't there? Something about a trumpet, I used to play the trumpet. You can't play a trumpet quietly. You know, if you've ever tried to play a trumpet, you can't do it quietly. You can stick a mute in there, but that still doesn't make it perfectly quiet. The trumpet makes a noise and makes itself known. You can't ignore it. At the World Cup in South Africa, they had those Vuvuzelas, which I think went something like all the time. You can't ignore it. In fact, they banned them from the English football grounds afterwards because they were so annoying. You can't shut the noise out. You can't turn it down. You can't ignore it. Think about it. Fanfares before the king walks in. You can't ignore it. It commands attention. Not only that. Think about a piece of funky music. You know the horn stabs. You know you can't ignore it you listen to anything like that you cannot ignore the trumpet it grabs your attention has Jesus grabbed your attention yet has Jesus grabbed your attention or are you still trying to ignore his command are you still trying to ignore his authority the bible tells us when that trumpet goes every knee will bow not just the knees of people who've been Christians not just the knees of those who've been to church every knee will bow and every ear will hear because you can't ignore the trumpet shout. Today, are you ignoring the voice of Jesus? Don't wait till the trumpet blasts. Hear his voice and respond today. The chapter finishes with verse 18, and verse 18 says this, therefore, they're afraid, they're afraid, they're scared, therefore, encourage one another with these words. The message version says, reassure one another. Over the last year, many, many people have been lost. Maybe this morning, we have personal grief, and we may know what stage of grief we're going through. We may know where we're at, but in all of that grief, in all of that loss, in all of that situation, as Christians, we can encourage one another in the church because we know it's not the end because we know that's not it. There is an endless hope, not a hopeless end. In our house group, connect group this week, um, Yulia shared something I hadn't thought of before. And we were talking about this very subject and we used the, the verse from Psalm 23 that is very familiar that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. But she said, if there's a shadow, then there's got to be light. You don't have a shadow without light. So even in that dark place, as a Christian, there has to be light. And as Christians, Paul says, encourage one another, stand beside one another in your grief. Did the early church that Paul was writing to, did they feel sorrow? Yes. Did they wonder why it was happening? Yes. Did they question God? Yes did they perhaps get angry with God in the situation they were in yes did some of them walk away from it yes but they were to encourage one another with the fact that if we believe in Jesus Christ's death resurrection there is still hope there is still hope the message version finishes by saying there will be a huge family reunion with the master what an encouragement that is There will be a huge family reunion of the master. Whoever you've lost in the last 12 months, whoever you're feeling that still struggle to get over with, hear that verse. Let us encourage one another with these words. There will be a huge family reunion with the master. Why? Because there's hope. Jesus raised a young girl from the dead and he said, she's just sleeping. People laughed at him, but he knew what he meant. Her time wasn't up, there was more. Maybe we've lost loved ones, but Jesus has the authority to speak life over death. He has the experience to speak life to dry bones. He can speak today to our dry and dusty lives, but we've got to let Him. We've got to hear Him, and we've got to respond. So, as I finish, do you know the endless hope? Do you know the hope that comes from knowing that there is more? From the certainty that death is not the end. Let Jesus have the authority over our lives. Let him speak to our dry, dusty bones. Don't wait till the trumpet sounds. Encourage one another. Today, I want to encourage you. If you know Jesus, then you know the endless hope. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that death for Christians is not the end. There is more. There is eternity promised where there is a place where there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no sadness, there is no destruction, there is joy. There will be no more tears. Father God, I pray that we will all know that hope, that we will share that hope with our town, that we'll share that hope with our families. And Father God, today, if we don't know that hope, that we will listen and start to hear your voice and we will say, thank you for dying for me. Sorry for what I've done. And Father God, help me to live and walk in your light. Father, I pray for anyone who's watching this morning who has known grief and who is still in those stages of grief. And I pray, Lord, that they will Keep looking to your hope, Father, that they will know that it's okay to get angry with you. It's okay to question why. It's okay to feel sorrow. Yet, Father God, keep our eyes on the hope that is to come so that in all things we know and see your love and your light. So, Father, I pray for these things in your name. Amen.